Eye on 2020, episode 224. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead-up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, your host, your host, that's right, the guy that's bringing this show Monday through Friday that's show, talking about the news, the events, the things that go on in the 2020 election. This is Ion 2020, and I uh, appreciate those that continue to follow me and join every single day while we uh, follow the candidates and their policies and so forth. Uh, there has been some entertainment going on in this election, and I found a candidate that seems very entertaining as well, and he is running as a libertarian, so I want to talk about him today. But first, I was trying to find some news and things that were going on in the 2020 election, uh, things that are going on with the candidates and stuff. But the thing is, is I mean, besides the fact that over the weekend, uh, Michael Bloomberg decided to, that he was going to probably throw his hat into the race, uh, you know, just decide to last person to get into the race, I guess. He was, you know, making a late entrance, and he decided that he was going to do that. So that's kind of been the news lately on the politics side of it for the Democratic nomination, but there was another article that I saw that was talking a little bit about Hillary Clinton possibly getting in as well, and it's not too late for her. Um, now, the thing is, is, it is, it's a little bit late in the sense that obviously everyone else has been running for a while. It is not too late because you're like none of the candidates are too late on the deadlines, I guess, to get onto the ballots, except for Alabama. I think Alabama's deadline was, was about the 8th or so. But the 15th is going to be the deadline for a lot of the states to get onto their ballots, especially like the early the early states that are going to be running primaries and stuff, like New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, and all those. Now, Michael Bloomberg, what they were saying about him is that he is not trying, trying to take the early state strategy where he's pretty much going to miss Iowa, miss New Hampshire, <clears throat> miss South Carolina, miss Nevada. He's going to shoot for the states that come after that. And I don't know that that is a very strong strategy. I don't know if that's the best strategy. He's probably being led astray by whoever his advisors are by going with that strategy. Because I know that back in, I think it was, when was it, 2012? No, it was 2008 when Rudy Giuliani was running for president. He was taking the all-in on Florida strategy, right? Where he was going to pass up Iowa. He's going to pass up New Hampshire. He's going to pass up South Carolina and Nevada, and he was going to shoot to win Florida, and at that point, that would propel him on to victory in other states, and by the time they even got to Florida, his name wasn't even in the hat at that point, because he didn't have any good, he didn't have a good showing at all in any of those states, like, you have to be in the top two or top three in any of those states to win, and if Michael Bloomberg's not going to do that, then he's probably just wasting his money, and he's probably actually going to be helping out, I was thinking about this, if he takes votes away from anybody, it's going to be votes away from Joe Biden. And what that'll cause him to do is by taking away votes from Joe Biden, Joe Biden doesn't have a strong second or strong third place finish in Iowa, a first place or a second place finish in New Hampshire, and so on down the road. And like Michael Bloomberg's pulling some votes away from him, then it'll probably hurt 
help hurt Biden, and then that'll help somebody like a Bernie Sanders or somebody like a uh, Elizabeth Warren. And that'll probably be the case if he decides to actually get into this thing. I don't know it's final yet, but uh, we shall see. I know he's dipping his toe in the water. That's kind of been the news over the last couple of days as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the entire news cycle for the Democrats. But then for the rest of the news that I've been hearing, and this is it, guys, this is it. It is like impeachment all day, every day on all of the news stations and all of the newspapers. Everywhere I look, it talks about impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. I even listen to the Sunday shows over the weekend. I watched the Sunday shows over the weekend. I listened to the podcasts of them, and it was just impeachment all day, every day. Uh, Rand Paul defending, you know, defending Trump, which is kind of weird the way that he's going about it. I said that before, that he is kind of defending Trump and saying that, oh, they should release the name of the whistleblower and that he might, he might even announce who he thinks the whistleblower is. And, you know, Rand Paul saying, well, well, I don't believe in foreign aid. Uh, it should, you know, it can and should be tied to us making sure that the state that or the country that we're giving it to is vetted for lack of corruption and so forth. So you got Rand Paul defending the president. You got the Democrats beating up the president uh, constantly day in and day out. And then not only that, but on Wednesday, which is tomorrow, that is when they're going to start the public impeachment hearings as well in Congress. And that's when they're going to start doing these public showcases basically of you know different can different uh congress people grilling the people that are coming up to be questioned now the republicans were trying to get a few people to be questioned and they submitted some names and this shift guy he denied them on the whistleblower thing like oh no we're not going to really let the whistleblower be questioned by you guys um i'm sure they're trying to keep the guy's name secret whoever this person is which According to whistleblower laws, I think that that is fine to do to keep that person's name hidden. Um, the only thing that I th thought about was that supposedly the whistleblower is actually secondhand knowledge. Like, wasn't an actual person that was involved in this stuff as well. It was just kind of hearsay and just floating some ideas out there to these Congress people who then jumped on it and started investigating it further. So I don't, I mean, I don't know how far you can take the whistleblower's testimony as first-hand knowledge. But if they get some first-hand knowledge, then maybe there'll be some type of incriminating evidence. I don't know. I did say this, I think it was yesterday, that um, I'm not sure if they're impeachable offenses or if they are impeachable offenses because of the politics of it where the Congress does decide to impeach Donald Trump. Um, are they like high crimes and misdemeanors? I don't know, but it's not going to get past the Senate anyway. The Senate and most of the uh, Republicans in Congress are in lockstep on protecting the president. So um, it's just all show at this point. And that show is going to be good to either destroy the president or build him up to his followers and get people to really... Um, put their support behind him. And I think history shows that when a president is being impeached, people do get behind him. Like they, they start trying to defend the president. And I think you're starting to see that in his polling numbers as well. Uh, he's polling like approval ratings are actually going up as we speak. It was just kind of weird. Like the other day I looked and his approval rating was like right around 51%. 
49% disapprove. And for a while, it was like around, you know, 44, 43%. And it went up as high as 50 or 51% at one point I saw. And then now it's like down around 47%. So uh, who knows how it's going to affect Donald Trump. But if history says anything, it might actually help him out. Uh, and then down the road, will it help him out to get reelected? I've yet to make a determination on who's going to win the presidency next year, but um, I don't know. He, he has a pretty strong case to be made if, if everyone bases it upon the economy because the economy seems to be going pretty strong. But anyway, to get off of the normal politics of the left versus the right, the uh, the Democrats versus Republicans, the charades that go on in Washington, let's get off of that subject for a few moments because I wanted to talk about one crazy candidate that is interesting to say the least. Uh, he's ran for president like every year since I think 1992. So in 1992, he ran, 1996, he ran, 2000, he ran, 2004, we ran, 8, 12, 16. This guy runs, and now he's running in 2020 as well. And I don't know if it's pl for publicity. I don't know what it is. He's never ran as a libertarian before. And uh, he just has the most, I don't know, it's, it's a comical thing that he's doing. And the dude wears a boot on his head and everything, right? He wears a big, giant rubber boot on his head. And you guys know him, obviously. If you're a libertarian, you've probably heard of the guy already. His name is Vermin Supreme. He actually has changed his name to Vermin Supreme, believe it or not. Uh, and I don't know what is the name that he was that he was born with, but I won't offend him by calling him his name that he was born with anyway. It does say it in Wikipedia somewhere I was reading earlier. But I'm going to do a little show on him really fast, VerminSupreme2020.com. And the reason why is because I'm going to cover all of the Libertarian candidates while we're uh, going through this whole, you know, all the charades that are going on with the Democrats and Republicans. I have to step away from that every so often and talk about Libertarian candidates too. Because we're important. Libertarians are important. We have a message of peace. We have a message of, you know, a message that says non-aggression. We have a message that talks about free markets. We have a message that is just something that people should be able to get behind. Because we're not trying to, you know, hurt other people. We're not trying to take other people's stuff. We're just trying to be left alone. That's all we're trying to be, is left alone, right? In some ways. And if someone wants to leave us alone, then we're going to support those people. And Vermin Supreme seems like a guy that probably wants people to be left alone. I mean, I've, I was looking, I was just looking into the guy just to do a little bit of research and so forth. And I think that he would claim more to be an anarchist by any means, like an anarchist is what it seems like he kind of leans towards, but I don't know if it's like a anarcho-capitalist or somebody that's like from a, a libertarian standpoint as an anarchist, but kind of just like an anarchist, uh, the no rules, I guess, type anarchist is, is what it seems like to me. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Just a little bit of research that I've done. I've done this guy before I started doing this show. Because you guys, what I typically try to do with these shows when I'm talking about a candidate is I just want to hop onto their website and see what they're saying. See what their propaganda about themselves is, right? And you can get my first impression on how I feel about that person. So... 
First impression of Vermin Supreme. First impression. You hop onto the website. There's a picture of this guy. He has a gigantic, big, gray beard. He has longer hair. And uh, he has a big boot, a big boot on his hat. Or on his head. A big rubber boot on his head is what uh, was one of the pictures shows. Which is interesting. I think that, that he's been wearing that boot for a long time in public. And I'm not sure what the boot means, to be honest with you. Putting a boot upside down on your head, I'm not sure. I'd love to figure out what that means. What what the um, There's a message there. There's got to be. There's got to be, right? So Vermin Supreme 2020, I hop on the website. There he is. Uh, it's done in pink and white. And it says Vermin Supreme for President. And then uh, the next, when you scroll down a little bit, it says Pony Up America. Vermin Supreme 2020, and then you can sign up. So, so I guess you're going to sign up to get messages from him. Then it says, get stuff with my face on it, shop now. So he has a little shopping area. He says, they're coming, my policy. And then you can click on that, and it says classified. Okay, he has a bullhorn, my platform. And then meet Vermin with upcoming events. There's also a YouTube video about the guy as well. And then uh, he also has a bunch of stuff you could buy, wear your president out. And then uh, he has one that says... The Working Dead Tea, uh, Fuck the Alt-Right Tea, excuse my language, but that's what it says, so I can't go wrong there. And then he has a mug that says MAGA, and then it has a big penis on it. So MAGA, D-I-C-K, <laughs> well, MAGA dick mug, okay, anyway. Very interesting stuff, very interesting stuff. Um, so, you could buy some of his clever little... Uh, wear that if you want to buy it you can also drink drink coffee out of his mug which is interesting as well uh so maybe he's trying to make some money off of this thing as well but obviously these are donations that are coming to his campaign uh on his campaign website so go ahead and uh and go along with that so let's get into what it says this policy policy zombie preparedness and the pony based economy okay so it's all joking stuff right here is what i see because uh, there's a place to donate, but it says, and that, there's nothing really like more than when you click on this policy thing. That's all you really see is prepare, zombie preparedness and the pony-based economy. And then let's get into his platform because I know it's he is just it's all sarcasm. It's all um, just for comedy. It's just for show. And I actually heard an interview with the guy before, and he says if you're going to be running for president, you need to have that comedy behind you as well. You're just kind of like trying to. Uh, show the system for what it is and you're trying to like show like when he says he's going to give a free pony to everybody you know and make toothbrushing mandatory it's like just showing the showing the inconsistencies in the system when someone says well why would you want to give free ponies to everybody you could kind of dig in on that and say well why do you want to give free medicine to everybody does everybody should everyone be entitled to that so I think that that's The way that he's going about it is an interesting way. Now, I don't know for a presidential candidate. I've said this in the past. I think a presidential candidate needs to be a little bit more serious. But uh, he's trying to expose the system for what it is, it sounds like to me. Which, which that's a good point. You do want to expose the system as well. Uh, so I can't really fault him on that. You are walking around with a boot on your head, though, which is interesting. But you know what? I think that's his thing. That's just what he's known for. So... Platform for a ponier America and a zombie-powered future. Okay. 
The mission of this campaign is to spread a loud and unapologetic message of free thought, clean smiles, and ponies. Through satire and humor, I present real issues with fantastical content, in-depth analysis, and a dose of much-needed humor in the political sphere. With thought-provoking activism, I stand against the tyrannical duopoly, the violent police state, and all forms of overreaching government. So, that pretty much says it right there. He is pretty much a libertarian in a lot of those views. Like, that's very libertarian-leaning in most of his views. But he says, through satire and humor, I present real issues with fantastical context, in-depth analysis, and a dose of much-needed humor. And that's true. I've actually heard him speak before. I think he did an interview with Mark Clare. And when you listen to him speak, like, the dude's pretty well-educated, it seems like to me. He comes off as somebody that is very well-educated, but he's very satirical when he talks. Everything seems like a joke. And that's his way to go to market, to try to spread liberty, which, if it works, it works. I I definitely think that that's the case. He also says, I seek a world of liberty, a world in which all individuals are sovereign over their own lives and are not forced to sacrifice their values for the benefit of others. I believe that respect for individual rights is the essential precondition for a free and prosperous world, that force and fraud must be banished from human relationships, and that only through freedom can peace and prosperity be realized. Interesting. So, I never realized that he, like, my my preconceived notions of Vermin Supreme originally was, and this is before I started looking into him further just for today, that he wasn't really a strong libertarian because he's never ran on a libertarian ticket. But if he really does truly believe in libertarian principles, then that's somebody that you should definitely look into in some way. Uh, the only thing I say is this. Does the Libertarian Party want to have somebody that's not really, like, serious up there on a stage, especially if you were able to get onto the stage between, you know, Donald Trump and whoever the other candidate was? I mean, would people that don't respond to satire understand the satire, if you know what I mean? And there's only, like, 10... of people in America that really understand satire when it's being used properly. There's only 10 or 12 people that 10 or 12% of people that would be amused by satire. So when you have a satirical candidate up there, you're really kind of putting yourself into a niche situation rather than someone that has broad appeal. But he goes to market that way, and it's an interesting it's an interesting way to go to market. I definitely can say that. He has a statement of principles on this website as well. Uh, I'll get into it really briefly. We, the members of the Libertarian Party, challenge the cult of the omnip- omnipotent state and defend the rights of the individual. Okay, so yeah, they he ch- the Libertarian Party challenges the cult of the omnipotent state. I agree with that. Um, I don't know if the all Libertarian Party feels that way, but I definitely do. You do want to you do want to realize that the state in itself is sort of like a cult. When people follow it, they're pledging allegiance to the flag. They're doing a lot of things that are, are cultish. You're thinking about the past. You're building up um, lots of like lots of the people of the past, like the founding fathers. There's a lot of uh, mythology that's built around those people as well so there is kind of like a cult-like following when it comes to that and libertarians we do kind of we do challenge that a lot as well we hold that all individuals have the right to exercise soul dominion over their own lives and have the right to live in whatever manner they choose 
so long as they do not forcibly interfere with the equal rights of others to live in whatever manner they choose. I think most libertarians would agree with that as well. We on the con- then he says further down says we on the contrary deny the right of any government to do these things and hold that the governments exist. They or if the governments exist, they must not violate the rights of indi- individuals, namely the right to life, the right to liberty. Okay, the right to property. So he's basically saying very. I mean, he's saying very basic libertarian principles all over this website as well, which is good, which is very good, which is very good. Personal liberty, he believes in that. Economic liberty, believes in that. Securing liberty, okay. The problem, okay, yeah, so then he gets into free trade, he gets into rights and discrimination, he gets into self-determination, and so forth. So, um, whenever, so let's go through a couple of these. Free trade and immigration and migration. We support the removal of government impediments to free trade, political freedom and escape from tyranny, demand that individuals not be unreasonably constrained by government in the crossing of political boundaries, economic freedom demands that unrestricted movement of human as well as financial capital across national borders. So he's kind of like an open borders kind of guy. Uh, most like anarchists, I guess, would be fall into that kind of category as well. Rights and discrimination. Libertarians embrace the concept that all people are born with certain inherent rights. We reject the idea that natural rights can never impose an obligation upon the others to fill, fulfill that right. We condemn bigotry as irrational and repugnant. Governments should neither deny nor abridge any individual's human right based upon sex, wealth. Yeah, so okay. Just like any libertarian, we don't really care what you do. We're not going to discriminate you against you as well based upon that stuff, and government shouldn't be doing that either. Self-determination, he says, whenever any form of government becomes destructive to individual liberty, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to agree to such new governments as to them shall seem most likely to protect their liberty. So he doesn't really get into a lot of his, uh, like, medicine. Like, this is what you'll see from Democrats. They're like, I have my medical plan. I have my plan for this. I have my plan for that. Libertarians, we just talk about, you know, trying to break down the government and trying to find liberty and so forth. And those are things that are different about Democrats versus Libertarians versus Republicans, because they all think that they, that the government has to have a plan for everything, whereas Libertarians kind of step away from that. And I've, you'll notice that with the previous couple people that were Libertarians that I've done these shows on as well, is that we all kind of follow the same kind of mantra, which is individual responsibility, personal liberty, limiting government, and so forth. And that's something that you're going to find with almost every Libertarian, is they're all pushing that same agenda, just in a different way. Vermin Supreme does it with satire. Other people do it in a little more serious manner. Other people do it in a more charismatic manner. So, I mean, when you're looking at the stage, though, when you're looking at the stage, when they're doing, like, a debate at the Libertarian Convention, you're going to be seeing all people that believe in limited government. All people that believe in personal responsibility. All people that believe in non-aggression towards other people. It's just, how far are they willing to take that? How how much how much of their uh, or how ideological are they when they're going to present those things to people when it comes to government you know like how much are they willing to get ta- how much are they willing to strip away from government and put that responsibility onto the people 
that's kind of where most of the libertarians are going to be. There's going to be a spectrum of, oh, yeah, well, I'm very minimalist where I just want to get rid of most of the government, but not all of it. And then there's those people that will be on the stage <clears throat> that believe that ultimately we should get rid of all government and leave all responsibility in the hands of individuals and families and maybe local communities and so forth. So where do they all fall into that spectrum? I'm not sure. Vermin Supreme, he should be interesting to see on this on the debate stages, though, right? If he's going to use satire, he's probably a very funny guy. I don't know. I haven't heard him speak too much. I've heard a couple interviews that he did, but he was trying to be more serious there. So I think he's trying to take a serious approach when he's talking to other libertarians, but he's also trying to show the system for what it is, which is a bunch of people that are just promising stuff like ponies. That's when he says... We're going to give everyone a pony. We're going to make everybody, you know, force everybody to brush their teeth. Like, that's him using satire to say, yeah, we shouldn't be giving out all this free stuff and we shouldn't be passing laws that force people to do something that they don't want to do. It's not your business who brushes their teeth and who doesn't. That's not the government's business. So, um, it's interesting. I like the... I mean, the website looks okay. I mean, it's, it's pink. It's kind of... That's kind of weird that he's showing it in pink, but, uh, whatever. I mean, if people are looking at it, when you're looking into Vermin Supreme in the first place, you're probably expecting a little bit of outside the box thinking. You're probably expecting to see a website that is a little bit outside of what normal politicians would do as well. And I mean, that's him. That's Vermin Supreme. So interesting. I I learned a lot by doing this show. I learned a little bit that maybe he is a little bit more serious of a libertarian than I thought, which is good. If a libertarian is going to run for president, I would like them to be a libertarian in their views. If you got down past the satire and started talking to them, you could have a decent conversation and they would actually be a libertarian. Because when I heard him having an interview with Mark Clare, it sounded like to me, he said, and one of the quotes that I think, hopefully I'm saying exactly as I remember it, but it was, um, yeah, we will agree on 70% of this stuff from a libertarian standpoint, and maybe I go elsewhere on 30%, but at least we're, I'm 70% libertarian. And I thought that meant, oh yeah, well, you know, 30% of that is I'm a statist, and I would like to have the state control this, and I think I'm okay with the state doing this and the state doing that. But it probably means that most libertarians are very minarchist libertarians, and he would be more considered like an anarchist libertarian than... But correct me if I'm wrong. You can do that. You can do that. You can email me at ray at iandtheempire.com. Let me know if you are like someone that follows Vermin Supreme and loves the guy. Maybe you could let me know a little bit more about him or whatever. You know, I appreciate that. I would appreciate that. I need to learn as much as I can about these candidates as I go forward as well. But I'll do more shows on the candidates as well as I learn more about these candidates. Like I said before, the reason why I'm doing the show's without knowing too much about the candidates, is just so you can get my first impression of them when I hop onto their website. I literally looked up Vermin Supreme, I looked him on Wikipedia, I read a little bit about him, realized that he is a serious libertarian candidate that is actually running, and at that point I jumped on his website just to see if it was even there, and then at that point I started recording the show without really getting too deep into it, so you could see my first reaction to each of the things that I talked about, all right? But guys, I appreciate you joining me for the show every single day. Uh, if you'd like to, and you like what you hear, five-star ratings are very helpful to me. Five-star ratings and then a review, that would be great also. 
Uh, obviously, a positive review will do better than a negative review. So five-star ratings and reviews are great. And then if you'd like to, you can follow me on IonTheEmpire.com. On the Empires on Facebook and on Twitter as well. Uh, but then if you like what you hear, you might as well subscribe to the show as well, okay? And then at that point, you'll be able to come back tomorrow. And you know what you'll have? Clear vision for 2020.